made a living here. It's hard to make a living in Crested Butte. And so it's really fun to sit around and hear their stories of how they've done it. And, you know, this, uh, I think four of the, the men in my group, just all of them brought, bought brand new pickups in the last year or so. So I think I may need to get a pickup or something. I'm not sure. That's the next step. But I love to see that, uh, not that owning a pickup is a sign of success, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> Steve will uh, get me later for pointing him out in church. I wonder what things that you consider to be success. What are those things that you lift up and I lift up as things that are, you know, uh, look right in our culture, look seem right to us that are successful, that are the good things of life that we build. Uh, and I think there's a, something that we do all the time, whether we know it or not, where we are evaluating our success. We, we, we have either this sense of success, like satisfaction. We're like, yeah, this feels really good. I love how this feels. I'm finding joy in this that I'm doing. Or we might be like, I don't know. I'm not sure this is working out like I thought. Or we might have a, a situation where we feel like we have failure or we do have failure and we're wrestling with that. Or there might be a time where we're, we're in life and we're, we're questioning ourselves and saying, Am I even on the right path? Am I in the wrong path? If I made a mistake, what's happening? We, so we're constantly doing that somewhere. I, I know that I do that, and, and uh, a lot of times I'm in neutral. But when I get to those moments where I, I sense that evaluation, I think it's really important that we have the right kind of structure in order to make decisions about what it is that we are doing and whether it's valid, whether it's meaningful. And that is a lot of what this name of Jesus that we're going to talk about today uh, means to us. The, the name or the title that is given to Jesus that we're going to look at, it's mentioned both in the Hebrew Scripture and in the New Testament, is the name Cornerstone. And from this name, we're going to, we're going to look at it really in an anthropocentric sort of way. We're going to try to, we're, we're going to see what it, mostly it means to us, not as much about what it says about who Jesus is, but I think there is a lot of application and understanding what his title, Cornerstone, means to you, what Cornerstone means to me. Uh, so here's the, here's the main thing. The main thing is it is not uh, so much what we are building in life, but it is what he is building. Okay, so I'll just simplify that too. It's not what we are building, it's what he is building. This is, this is the evaluation structure when we're thinking about this idea of a cornerstone. And so I want to try to bring that to, to make sense. We're going to look at two passages, one in Isaiah. Uh, this is Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. So later on in Isaiah, mid, mid of it, uh, we were reading from the early part of it last week. Uh, it says in the second part of verse 16, or the very end of 15, excuse me, it says, we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a foundation in my creation, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of sure foundation. And whoever believes will not be in haste. 
That means whoever believes will not be uh, in panic. And then from 1 Peter, we'll see uh, him pick up on this idea. In 1 Peter 2, verse 4. Peter's speaking to a, uh, a church that's under some difficult times in the New Testament era. And as you come to him, a living stone, he is a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you get the idea in Isaiah. He talks about this cornerstone, this chosen and precious cornerstone. And then Peter picks up on the same idea and says, Jesus is a living stone. You are a stone, a living stone. And as his followers, and you're building a spiritual house. So again, just to be sure that the point is, uh, it's not about what we're building or what we think is success. The question is, what is he building? What is God building? So three things. Uh, we build false shelters. We build false shelters. Two, he builds real community. Jesus builds real community, and he builds vital relationships. Third, he builds vital relationships. Okay? And I think you'll see that as we unpack these passages just a little bit. See, our, our tendency, the natural thing that you and I do, uh, and by the way, I'm speaking to followers of Jesus here this morning. If you're not, that's okay. This is a good thing for you to hear and think about what it means to follow him. Uh, so if you are a follower of Jesus, we need to be asking these questions and looking at this and re- recognizing that our natural tendency is to build a false shelter. Okay, That's, that's what we naturally do. Our, uh, our family has just very few Christmas traditions. And mo- many of you have little bits and some a lot. But one of the ones we have is that we watch Elf together. Anybody watch Elf? Ever? Okay. I think we've probably watched it every year since it was made. Um, so there are a lot of funny lines in there, but one of the things I think is hilarious is when, uh, when Buddy's working at, at Gimbel's and he's in the department store and he's in the Santa, you know, the Christmas section, and uh, his boss says, Santa's coming tomorrow, and Buddy just freaks out. He just can't believe his, his, that Santa's going to be in, uh, in New York. So he, the next day, he's there bright and early. He's decorated the whole place, you guys know. And uh, he gets in front of all the children, and he's like, Santa, you know, Santa, Santa. And then he looks, and he's like, that's not, you're not Santa. You, you know, and he's really freaked out by the fact that it's not Santa. And he, he's, you, you smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa, <laughs> Pretty funny, um, and then he, uh, and then he says, uh, he says, "You sit on a throne of lies." <laughs> Remember that? So he's obviously taking far too seriously the role of this person who is helping Santa out, right? He's just—it's just too serious for him. Uh, he just—he can't get his mind around it. But it's. As I thought about that and I was thinking about this passage, uh, it, it struck me that it's almost like, y'all, and I'll, I'll just put this on me, it's almost like I'm a Santa, a, a sit-in Santa, who really thinks that, this is, that I'm doing the real deal, you know? That 
I, what, everything that I have surrounded myself and dressed myself up with and I'm doing and everything is all the most important, that I am the real deal. I, I, we tend to, to do that and in, somehow, in, in that way, we, have, we build things that are false and we depend on things that are false, things that don't last. In Isaiah, uh, God says, I've established a cornerstone, right? I've established a cornerstone. Cornerstone is the thing from which everything else moves out from. And I think it's, it's so interesting that he says, okay, I have a cornerstone. And then he says, right, but right before it, he's revealing what the people do. And, and Isaiah is speaking for himself here. He says, we have built, let me read it. It says, uh, in uh, the last part of 15, it says, we have made lies our refuge in falsehood. In falsehood, we have taken shelter. So we have built these things with no regard for the cornerstone. The things that we call, I'm not saying that everything we call success is wrong. What I'm saying is that we just rush in and start to uh, create and build and do things with no regard for the cornerstone. And thus, we end up creating a place of falsehood that we live in or we've taken shelter in. This is the shelter that we built is more important to us than the cornerstone from which it goes out from. Uh, you know, what I've, I've noticed is that uh, people, wise people do this thing. Really smart people do this. Really committed followers of Jesus are so focused in the moment that we forget what the cornerstone is. That we forget who he is. We just get wrapped up and we are busy with what we consider is most important and we're looking at what everybody else is doing that's most important. And we forget that we're, we're creating the structure and it doesn't have anything to do with the cornerstone. Uh, I wonder uh, if you noticed there's a there's a thing in there where it says that the cornerstone was rejected. Did you notice that you rejected the cornerstone? And I think it's important then for us as we're thinking about this to realize that we can't expect our choice to make Jesus, to allow Jesus to be the cornerstone that he is, to meet with the acceptance of ourselves or the people around us. In other words, if he was rejected, we can expect this to be a struggle for us as well. That's why it's so easy for wise people to do this. He says in, in, in 1 Peter 2, he says, as you come to him, he is a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And in Acts 4, verse 11, it says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Now, we, are, we just start to build in the wrong place. We just, that's, it's just our natural tendency we're, we rush to do the thing that seems most expedient to get where we want to get. Uh, 
This is a Texas thing I'm going to tell you about here. So if you're from Texas, you have been around this situation. You have a, a weekend camp out with some families who've never been camping before. And they went by Walmart and picked up a tent. And then you go out to camp and they set up the tent and they're in a hurry because it's getting, because you got off work, it's Friday night, it's getting dark, they're throwing this tent together, they don't know how for sure. And then it turns out that that Friday night is, of course, the biggest monsoon of all time. Many of you have experienced this personally. And then that tent that never got staked down, you know, is being just only held down by the bodies that are in it, right? It's just being, and there happens to be a river that's going right under it. And then those families typically like, the next morning, like, I have seen this, the, the tent crushed up and shoved in the dumpster, and they're at a hotel. Um, this, is the, uh, this, is the, this is the kind of thing that happens when we get into a rush with life, and we try to create something, and we think something is success, and we think this is important. Uh, and what we're left with is knowing that there's there's much, much more, and we missed it. Uh, so the question is, what shelter have you built? What's the shelter that you have been building? And is that shelter the shelter that is really based on the cornerstone that is Jesus? So what is he building, and are you involved in that? And so what I want to share with you is to probably elevate the position of the church, I hope, in your mind uh, more highly. And certainly I've, I've learned a lot about this from, and been just reminded that Jesus is building a real community. That's what he's about. He is building a real community. Now look at it again, and I just want to read from 1 Peter 2.4 again. It says, As you come to him, a li- he is a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. So first, this thing that he's building is made of living stones. And that's a metaphor I think we can get. It says Jesus is a living stone. It says you, his followers, are living stones. But he says what he's building is a spiritual house. And we don't have to make a big leap to know that he's talking about the church. He's saying he's building this thing that is the church. But people who are a part of the church misunderstand it a lot. And I think this, you, this probably will resonate with you a little bit. We think of church as a building, as an event, or as a club, or all three. An event, a building, or a club. Those are not untrue, but we mix those up and we put those, and that's, that's the way that we think about it. But actually, the church is the plan of God for this era. This, these living stones, you and I, that are being built into this spiritual house are the plan of God. It's not a building, it's not a time of day or a thing that we go to, and it's not a club. It's very purposeful. It is... You know, being in the middle of this building project reminds me that we can get focused on structure and things and things that make things happen and processes and and number not all those things. But really, the church is the people here that are a part of this real community. 
I mean, what would it be like if every believer at OBJC was really a living stone in the church, right? So many times, even though, y'all, I work here, I'm, I attend here. I attend a place. I do a thing. Instead of being part of the church, See, the question again is, what is Jesus doing? What is the cornerstone doing? Because whatever he's building is what I want to be a part of. And when I'm there first, everything else is going to make sense because he is the cornerstone. See, it's not that we're building a shelter. That's all. It's that he is using us to be the shelter. Does that make sense? We are the shelter. We are the refuge that he has established in this world, in this era. That gives us an incredible value and an incredible importance. So that's why I think it's so fascinating that, that Isaiah says we set up this refuge of lies or this, this, this uh, structure that we live in, this tent that is not true and it, is, it disregards the cornerstone. But the fact is, y'all, and that's what we do, but the reality is that what what Jesus is doing is he is building the church and we are the church, so we are the shelter. See, that, that's, what, that's what he is doing. Are, are we, are you, and as you engage and think about what it is, the structure that you're building, are you a part of what he is building? Or are you building your own tent in a hurry on a, a place where the water is just going to go right under it? So he is building a place of, uh, of real community, but he's also building a place, and, and I love how he presents this, uh, how Peter does, of vital relationships. And that's what this, these living stones are a part of. You, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. So this third idea of vital relationships is described by a couple of things that he says that I think are a little hard to understand. He calls us a holy priesthood, and he, and he says that we're to offer spiritual sacrifices. All right, so get out there and do that. Okay, I know, that, it's kind of difficult. Um, so what is a holy priesthood? I mean, it's easier for me to kind of get an idea of that uh, of a living stone. That's a metaphor I can get. Living stone, building part of a tham, I get that. But a holy priesthood? All right, holy priesthood. So let's break that down real quick. So something that's holy, in God's eyes, is not holy because that thing made itself holy. It's holy because Jesus made it, or him or her, right. Made him or her right in relationship with God. Okay? So holiness is not complicated. You don't really have much to do with it. Neither do I. What that means is that we are in right relationship with God because of Jesus. So number one, if you're a follower of Christ, you're already holy. So don't make that too churchy and difficult, and you don't have to go tell your friends, hey, look, I'm holy now. You, they may not understand that. Um, You've got to break it down and then tell them that means holiness. And then he says that we're priests. Uh, one of the things that people that work for me and have been friends over time love to do is, is to call me a uh, reverend or a priest or something like that. And some of you have done that to me. Um, and the reason I say to me is that I just don't feel comfortable with that. When people do that, I mean, that's like what it, 
Funeral homes, they call me a priest. You know, it's very uncomfortable. I don't, I don't, I'm not different than any, what we've done is we've made like the role that I do or someone who works in a church, something separate, like, or when you say priest, it, it moves into those hierarchical church structures, like the Catholic church, Episcopal church, and so forth, where there is this person who like wears robes and stuff and nobody else does, right? This says, you, living stones, the church, are a holy, set apart for God by Christ, priesthood. And what a priest was, was someone who was in a very close relationship with God. Isn't that more simple? I mean, so someone who's been set apart is now in a deep relationship with God. And if you're a follower of Christ, that's really what we're after, what we hope for, what he makes possible for us. So all of us are a holy priesthood, but it just sounds like churchy words. What it really means is something much more simple. That it's very relational. It's a vital relationship. You are a priest that is set apart and holy and made right and in relationship with God. That's what a holy priesthood is. But then he says something complicated again. He says, and this is what you do. You offer spiritual sacrifices. Well, okay. What do I, how do I do that? What does that look like? If I'm a part of what, what Jesus is building and I'm supposed to offer spiritual sacrifices, what is that? Well, I think we just look back and remember what it is that the priest did in, this, uh, in the context that especially Peter is speaking in right here. These people understood that the priest, this person who had this official role at that time, was a mediator between man and God. They were a person who was involved with helping people with the sacrificial process that they went to in order to be right with God. But once Jesus came and took care of all sacrifice, he was the final and complete sacrifice. Priests were no longer necessary in that sense. And then what Peter says, and you see it all throughout the New Testament, is that we don't have this other layer we have to go through. We are in relationship with God if we are believers. So you'll see it if you start looking through the scripture, you'll see you are priests. You are in deep relationship with God. And as such, you are someone who is a mediator of the good things of Jesus to the community, to one another, in vital relationships. I had a a friend, his name was Phil Sizer, who some of you guys know, and Phil mentored me in high school. And what he did was so simple. He, I, w- I didn't have a car, so he would drive me around, and he would bring me home, and, and uh, before he would drop me off from something, almost always he would say, hey, Scott, you know, how's your relationship with God? It's just what, that's the simple thing he would say. And I do not know why, but it just like opened the doors of a conversation and me thinking, you know, I've got to tell him where I'm at with God. I've got to talk. Just by that simple question, he was exercising this thing. He was offering a spiritual sacrifice. He was being in the role of a mediator, of encouraging me to be in relationship with God just by a simple question. I mean, any of us can ask that question, but you don't have to have special skill. You don't have to be a priest like we think of. You just can ask. That's the simplest thing. Y'all, and here's the deal. People know what you care about by what you ask about. Just think about it. They know what you care about by what you ask about. And when you ask someone, how, how's your relationship with God? Just tell me what's going on. 
It it's, can be a transformative question. The reason that I bring that up is it's a simple example of how it is that we can be those mediators or offer these spiritual sacrifices. Because the sacrifice has been made. We're just a part of the process now of encouraging other people inside the church, outside the church, to know him. So if this is what Jesus is doing, if the cornerstone is building the church, if that's what he's doing and that's what really matters, are you a representative of Jesus in the community or with your family? Are you helping others to engage with God? And what gifts do you have, which I know you do, that you're using to make that happen? So those questions help us evaluate if we are building what he is building, right? So those things take us away from success and move us towards what the cornerstone is about. So let me wrap up with this. And by the way, we're going to have communion in just a moment. If you guys want to get going and and get that stuff ready, um, I think you could... If Jesus is the cornerstone, what does that mean in your life right now? If Jesus is the cornerstone, what, is, what does that mean in your life? Another question, are you living in a false shelter? Are you living in a false shelter? If you built something that truly is false. And are you a part of that real community that is the church? Are you, a, are you in vital relationship with the church? Do you attend the church or are you the church? I'm going to stop with those questions, pray, and we're going to um, really try to uh, examine this in the next few moments. So, God, thank you for uh, your word. God, we're, we're just blown away by how it ties together. Blown away that you would uh, let us be a part of what you were doing. Um, in fact, we are just, it says Jesus is a living stone and we are a living stone. So God, um, help us to get our minds around that. And Lord, I pray that wherever we are, whatever we're building, Lord, uh, that we can look at it and reevaluate it in light of what you are doing what you are building and let us be a part of that first and see what flows out of it. Lord, um, pray for that. I pray that we'll uh, now carefully uh, examine that and also just remember uh, what your son has done for us to make us holy. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.